Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Today's episode is brought to you by Deloitte Digital. Stay tuned after the podcast for insights on elevating the human experience. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Ad Week podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm Nick Gardner, video producer and host of Ad Week's Gen CEOs podcast. David Greiner and Kamiko McCoy will be back next week. For this episode, we're coming to you from the JW Marriott in Palm Desert, California, where we just wrapped up our second annual Brand Week event. I'm joined by Adweek Executive Editor Stephanie Paderick, Brands and Tech Editor Josh Sternberg, and Retail Reporter Anne-Marie Alcantara. We've been here all week reporting, covering, and capturing all things brands. Welcome to the show, you guys. It's great to be here, Nick. Thank you, Nick. (laughs) I love Podcast West. Um, First, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about Constellation Ball with you, Stephanie. Um or Constellation Awards is something new for us. Mm-hmm. Who was honored and why uh, Why did we start this award show? Yeah, so, you know, for years we've had the tradition of the annual Brand Genius Awards. Um, and, you know, that honors about 10, you know, of the best CMOs of the year. And we found this pattern that whenever, you know, every single acceptance speech from a CMO, the first thing they would do is call out their team. They're like, this isn't for me. Like, my team did this. And so we decided, why not have an award for teams? Um, I don't know if there is an award out there for teams. So we came up with this idea of the Constellation Awards. You know, it takes a constellation of all these stars to pull off an incredible campaign. So this was our first year doing it. Actually, we had the ball last night. It was a ton of fun. Um, and our uh, the big winner of the night, I think 24 teams uh, from brands were, were given awards. But um, the big winner was uh, Xbox and Microsoft for their adaptive controller campaign. How did everybody else enjoy the Constellation Award show? It was so good that I cried with <laughs> laughter several times. <laughs> I, I couldn't contain myself. It was just very enjoyable. From where I was sitting. And I should add that the vibe of these two award shows is very different. So to put it into perspective, um, the Brand Genius Awards is sort of like our Oscars, like the Oscars of, of marketing. And the Constellation Awards, we wanted it to feel a little more like the Golden Globes or maybe even the, the See, VMAs. So I was, I, was taking, <laughs> I was taking more of the approach that the Brand Genius was the Oscars <laughs> and the Constellation was the Independent Spirit Awards. Oh, okay. Which is why I happen to be the only person that was not dressed in a suit or adult attire. Tell, tell them what you wore. Just a regular button-down shirt and a baseball hat. And, and New Balance shoes. And New Balance sneakers. But, you and know, jeans. And jeans. <laughs> but you know what? We all have our uniforms, and that's my uniform. And Staying on brand. On brand. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, Brand Genius. Who was honored there? We had some celebrity guests as well. 
Yeah, it was an exciting year. So um, our our brand visionary uh, of the year was Chrissy Teigen. And John Legend came with her uh, and actually um, introduced her. So we kind of have this this tradition of um, last year, Anna Wintour, who was a previous honoree, introduced Serena Williams, uh, who was our 2018 winner. And so this year, John Legend introduced his wife, um, gave a really touching speech. He like sang to her from the stage. It was amazing. Uh, and then Chrissy was incredibly excited to receive the award. We were honoring her because of the way that she has built her brand and um, particularly around cooking uh, kind of she has a uh, she has a cookware line you know household line through Target um, has obviously amassed uh, quite a following a very loyal following on Instagram so that was a really exciting part of the night um, but also we had 10 CMOs uh, who were honored as well and every year we pick one it's a, it's a reveal it's a surprise we pick one who's the grand brand genius mm-hmm. so like ultimate bragging rights and the winner was uh, Mike Benson, who actually is at CBS now. He's at CBS Interactive, but um, he won for his work over at Amazon, um, where he really uh, pressed into experiential marketing, I think, in a very cool way. And uh, you might remember, uh, are there uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel fans here? I haven't seen it now. Yes. <laughs> so, John, do you remember that activation? The... Uh Carnegie Deli, Cat's Deli, yes. one of the delis with a lot of meat. Yes, it was Carnegie. They, yes. The show sort of uh, uh, brought the old Carnegie Deli back to life. So his mission was really to um, push forward Amazon Originals and did a fantastic job at it. I should mention, too, that um, we have a, a, a third kind of special award. It's called the Brand Save uh, that we give to a nonprofit who's really making a difference. And this year it was Stand Up to Cancer. Um, and the two women, uh, the co-founders uh, who accepted, gave – Give really impassioned speech. It was really touching, and that was a uh, Rusty Roberts and Sue Schwartz. There was another uh, memorable speech from the stage that Mike Benson gave. Oh yeah, uh, do you guys remember that? The FaceTime ad. Yes, <laughs> FaceTime to his wife. <laughs> he was shocked to win. He he was completely shocked to be the grand brand genius. And Emery, maybe you can tell. Yeah, I mean, he was really surprised. Came on stage and was talking about you know thanking his team again. And then uh, his wife wasn't able to join him because she was sick. And then he asked the crowd, should I FaceTime her <laughs> into this event? And he did. And she was like, why are you doing this? I'm sick. <laughs> she had strep throat. <laughs> she, yeah. she was, but it was fun. And then he showed the phone off to the audience and um, then you know said goodnight to her and thanked everyone else and got off the stage. It was a good time. Let's move to talking more about the programming um, from this week's or from this week at Brand Week. Uh, what were all of your major takeaways from the week? Uh, I think what I kept hearing um, at many different panels and breakout sessions um, are brands realizing that they need to have a brand purpose and that it actually needs to be authentic to the brand and can't just be something that they slap on a new clothing line and, and hope for the best, like because because consumers are just not interested in that anymore. Um, and it's, it's interesting to hear that shift uh, because it's about time. I feel like brands should realize that. Um, so that was one. That was one thing I definitely heard. How about you guys? So for me, something interesting was I heard this phrase, for all, come out of the mouths of at least three 
CMOs. Um, first, it was uh, uh, Target's Rick Gomez, um, who actually opened up our event. And he talked about the idea of Target for All really being their um, their marketing mantra. Um, and, uh, you know, that includes like design for all, fashion for all, and really um, their push to create, you know, qu- quality, pro- get quality products out there that are affordable um, and really open up the brand. He also spoke about their push for inclusive um, sizing and how they've really been putting pressure on designers um, to, uh, you know, to create a wider range of sizes. Right after him, um, Pete McGinnis from Chobani got on the stage and he was like, yes, what, what Rick Gomez said, um, Chobani is all about food for all. And we're trying to create the most nutritious snack um, at an affordable price point. And he talked, too, about how they uh, um, that brand has uh, uh, actually um, paid for school lunches for kids who can't afford it. Um, and then later in the week, um, Playboys, this is kind of surprising, but Playboys marketing chief talked about their new tagline being pleasure for all. And I think it used to be, um, it used to be entertainment for men. Guess what year they changed that? <laughs> 2016. Um, (laughs) And they changed it to pleasure for all. um, And they really talked about how they're, you know, they're trying to broaden, you know, who they are creating content for and getting more um, women behind the lens um, and actually shooting their photos. So I thought that was just an interesting like verbatim trend uh, between the brands. Josh, what did you think? I don't know. Because it's 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 interesting in how the subtext of every conversation seemed to be how brands are trying to close that chasm between what they say and what they do. And that touches on what you're talking about with the for all. It touches on what Anne-Marie is talking about with purpose. Um, I see it from a different, slightly different point of view of risk that brands, these companies are multi-billion dollar, multinational companies, um, that have armies of lawyers. Uh, everything that a company does is not done by accident. They are generally risk adverse. But what we're seeing is slowly they're starting to take a little bit more risks to close that chasm. And the conversation that I had with, I don't know, I want to say between 30 and 40 people all came back down to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That to a T, everyone was impressed with McDonald's making the decision to push their CEO out for having a consensual relationship with a subordinate. Um, many people were telling me that this would not have happened three years ago. And that news broke, I think, on the first day of Brand Week, so it was very much on people's minds. Right. Yeah. And the idea of how a board makes a decision because A, it's the right thing to do, but B, because how do you as a company say, look how great we are, look at all of this marketing message for inclusivity, diversity, um, but we're not going to practice what we're preaching. I mean, McDonald's flipped their M upside down for women. And in while I obviously don't know the specifics of this particular case, just the idea that a board is going to say, you know what, we are saying one thing, we actually need to do that thing that we're saying, and we are going to lead by example. 
one of the most recognizable brands in the world doing something like this is impressive. Yeah. It's interesting that marketing could be the thing that puts pressure um, on internal culture. I mean, that's a bit backwards. You wish it started the other way. But, you know, we've seen, you know, in the past year or so, all these brands jump into causes, you know, like you said, Women's Day, um, uh, Gay Pride, um, and and then they sort of set this bar for themselves. And it, yeah, it looks bad if they can't reach their own bar. Did you did you all hear a lot about the direct-to-consumer D2C brands? Because I didn't hear as much as I thought I would. That'll be for our event in February, <laughs> late March, Josh. Challenger Brands. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to sign up and start getting your tickets, that's that's an accidental <laughs> plug by Josh. I, I will say just last night I had a, a conversation with someone at the Constellation Awards who pulled me aside and said – um, I, I won't say who it was, but uh, he's uh, from a creative agency, um, and he said that he really feels like the D2C trend is a bubble and that we're going to see it burst. I wonder, Emery, you cover this. What Do you have any predictions on that? It It's a bubble, but I wonder which agency they were at if they work for one I'll of the big, later. the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is definitely a bubble because all, all these companies are funded by VC money, and that is not necessarily the case anymore for a lot of new brands coming into the space, but for better or for worse, they have pushed the P&G and Unilevers of the world to either acquire these brands and realize that they're reaching consumers that they can't. And like talking about brand purpose and taking a risk in marketing, um, one of our brand genius winners was from him and hers, and they pushed advertising on a whole new level around erectile dysfunction um, and other women's issues, women's health issues. And I don't know if a P&G or, you know, one of the big leagues would have done that in the way that they did. Um, so they've also have changed marketing and advertising and, you know, it's a bubble, but they've changed things. That's so a good bubble. I do. I do agree with what you said, though. Like, I, I feel like last year at Brand Week, there was a lot more talk about uh, the D2C companies, um, even from these larger companies, just what they could learn from them or what new challenges they're they're bringing. Um, so I was surprised to hear a lot less talk about that this week. So yeah, you'll be able to see all the coverage from all of our programming on adweek.com. The person that led the charge in planning a lot of that covering was you, Amory. Uh, you want to talk about what went into that? <laughs> <laughs> There's some, some claps happening. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a labor of love. Um, the road to Brand Week was a long one, but it's finally over. Um, but our reporters on the ground and and our home team um, really led the coverage and breaking little tidbits from the event, such as obviously Chrissy Teigen's speech, um, breaking out information around um, Sephora and AB and Bev and the the Playboy panel, as well as um, this other interesting panel around Popeyes, Burger King, and Twitter and how Black Twitter kind of led the whole conversation around the Popeye's chicken sandwich, which is back, listeners, in case you've somehow been living in a bubble and missed that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's always fun to see what, how reporters pick the most interesting parts of these panels to give our readers back um, some sort of insight of what they can learn and come come next year. Today's episode is brought to you by Deloitte Digital. Stay tuned as Amelia Dunlop, Head of Customer Strategy and Applied Design, Deloitte Digital, explains what organizations can do to elevate the human experience. 
do you guys each want to talk a little bit about each of the or some of the uh, discussions that you moderated? Sure. Um, you know, something we didn't talk about, but I think was a theme uh, was authenticity. It, it came up quite a bit. And um, and not just in terms of authenticity and brand messaging, but also in leadership. And so um, one discussion I had at our uh, Women's Trailblazer breakfast was with Allegro O'Hare, uh, chief of marketing with The Gap. And she just spoke about how that's been like her biggest lesson as a leader, that um, when she started out, she didn't realize that, you know, if she was having a bad day, how much it could affect her employees, you know, that they might pick up on that and think like, oh, I'm doing a bad job or the company's in trouble. And she's learned to, you know, like walk into a meeting and just say, I'm having a crappy day, you know, so if I'm off, just know that that's what it is. And then moving on with business. Um, and Musa Tariq from Airbnb Experiences said something really similar that he used to, when people asked him how he was doing, he would say, oh, life is busy. And this week he had a light bulb moment and he told someone, life is hard, you know? And their first reaction was like, I'm, are you okay? And uh, he was like, no, it's not a bad thing. It's just hard. You know, like leading these brands is hard. You know, um, being a parent is hard. You know, whatever you might have going on in your life on top of a stressful job. Um, and just being, just being real um, in leadership. I thought that was really interesting. So in the panel that Josh moderated with Jennifer Arnold from Taco Bell, she spoke about how it was the, the hotel was just in line with the consumers that the Taco Bell has. Like people get engaged at the Taco Bell Cantina in Vegas and people like use the um, sauce packets to say marry me to propose to people. So some creating something like a hotel was a natural extension for them that was still authentic to the brand and it worked out for them. Four point four. Yeah, four point four billion impressions off of Jeez. five thousand articles written about a hotel. And and she mentioned that it wasn't you know they didn't invite influencers or media necessarily. It was purely people who wanted to be there. And it sold out in two minutes. It's like a rock concert. Amazing, <laughs> <laughs> but without the ticket master fees. Mm. Josh, what was your favorite panel or discussion point? I was going to say Taco Bell because that was really enjoyable. <laughs> um, but my, my conversation with Pedro Earp was of AB InBev was also interesting. Um, you know, he the, it's so easy for me to forget that there's a broader world out there. And AB InBev has 500 brands. They make 75% of their revenue outside of the U.S., mainly in, in emerging markets. And at a time when beer sales are down, China is having um, a significant play in AB InBev's business. It's just interesting to hear from how a the CMO of this whole entire shebang is working to try to, you know, how do you divest but also invest at the same time? And I think your story, Anne-Marie, from the Brand Week issue kind of really touches upon that on how they're looking at um, hard seltzer. They've got um, cannabis investments in Canada. Um, they're looking at ways to oh, – and there's like their wine. Canned wine. Yep. Yep. Um, they're looking at ways to – you know, I don't like the term future-proof because it doesn't exist, right? Like you ask a company from 20 years ago, how are you future-proofing yourself? They're probably not in business now. Hmm. Um, so looking at how AB is 
moving its own pieces on the global board was was really interesting. You know, how did that conversation, Anne-Marie, go or track with your reporting when you were talking to people about how AB is looking beyond beer? It was it was definitely like aligned. Um, I focused for my story on the U.S. market mostly, and even within that portfolio, um, the U.S. CMO Marcel told me how for a long time the company relied on Bud Light and forgot all about its other brands like Stella, um, Budweiser, and they were like, we can't do this anymore. This is bad. It's bad for our brand. And so they've made new investments in those brands but also decided to release um, the first USDA organic beer because consumers are interested in sustainability and and like giving their body something better even if it's beer. It's still organic. (laughs) Um, and on the, on the global side, I also spoke to Pedro separately and I found it interesting that they're also using a lot of their e-commerce data to figure out what brands to bring into different markets. And it was just an interesting way of thinking about e-com as well. That's like using that data instead of the other way around, like selling beer and brick and mortar and then realizing we need to sell this online. And that's another thing that I didn't hear as much as about that I thought I would is data. There was there was not a lot of discussions about data. I mean, in some of the breakout the breakout session that I was in happened to be because there was a literal data scientist PhD guy talking about analytics and but other than that, um, on the the main stage, like we this was all about brand marketing, and it was kind of interesting that data was not a thing this year. Yeah, that's did you notice that? I mean, one. One conversation I had on stage was with um, Lufthansa's marketing chief, and he he did, but he might be the only one who I really heard press into it. Um, they are partnering with IBM Watson to basically create um, customer like traveler profiles. So they have through data been able to identify six types of travelers, and then the top twenty pain points for each of those six, and then they serve ads according to those types and those pain points. So I thought that was really interesting, but the overall message was like this back to basics, like this return to like the basics of good brand building and um, and brand love, like really making customers fall in love with your brand, which I thought was interesting. Um, Nick, you actually hosted one of my favorite events. It was the Gen ZEO Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you host our Gen ZEO podcast. Right. I was wondering how <laughs> that conversation went for you. Yeah, it went really well. Um, so on the panel was Cartoon Weiss from Spotify, uh, Harley Block, who was from Viacom, and then one of the past guests we had on the show, Swish Goswami. I met him. Yeah, I liked him. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a good kid. Um, <laughs> so what says the kid? Says the kid. Yeah. Says the kid. Says the kid. Um, but yeah, so we talked a little bit about how you know YouTube is the new TV for Gen Z, and if you're not meeting Gen Z where they already are, you're not going to reach them. Um, and another thing is just how many or how much of Gen Z is putting ad blockers in place or just not using platforms that incorporate ads. Um, Harley gave a presentation. I think one of the stats was something like 60% of Gen Z said they would cancel their Netflix subscription if Netflix put ads in. Don't don't quote me on that exact number. But um, it was something really high like that that would cancel their Netflix subscription if, if Netflix put in ads. So the way to reach Gen Z is really in authentic, seamless ways like product integrations or with influencers that they're already following. Um, so we talked a little bit about, a little bit about that. 
And then while we're on the topic of influencers, we talked about how a lot of influencers are launching their own brands now rather than working with other big brands uh, and what big brands can learn from that, whether these brands that influencers are launching are, you know, if they have any staying power as brands or if they're just, you know, one-off products that seem to bring in a ton of money um, and whether, yeah, whether they, whether they'll stick around and whether that's a trend that we can expect to continue to see. What I loved about your conversation and also what I love about your podcast is I feel like your guests are so honest. I mean, especially compared to, um, or I don't even want to say honest, but they're very authentic and they will just say what is on their minds. Mm-hmm. They'll kind of call it as it is versus, you know, people who are at the CMO level, you know, for a big brand are more guarded and they have to be more guarded. I wonder if you think that that is um, kind of a, a byproduct of their generation or their stage of life. You know, are are, are, are we going to see a new generation of CMOs who are less guarded? Or You no? don't remember being... A wise ass whippersnapper at twenty two. <laughs> I think it is like a combination of both, though. Yeah. Um, I think definitely like stage of life has something to do with it. If you uh, are like put into this position um, so much younger, you I guess you feel like you can test the waters and and try new things. But also just growing up like completely on social media and putting your life out there in general, I think plays a role in it because you feel like you can open up in ways that other people might not have. Uh, in past generations, actually, there's th- I think there's a lot to that, right? That growing up in a with social media as endemic to your life, you see the world through a brand lens, whether it's a capital B from a corporation or a lowercase b of like your own brand, mm-hmm. because you're building your brand on social with every action that you do. For us older folks, we didn't have that, right? You built your brand just by n- pressing the flesh, networking. Um, now I can do that through my phone. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of interesting looking at the, the dynamics of how younger folks are using the technologies and the tools to build their brand, which is causing them to think about the world in a particular way, which brings us back to the authenticity and brings us back to purpose because they are seeing things that, you know, when I was 15, 14, you know, the, the flow of information was not as as wide. So we didn't have the opportunity to see really behind that curtain as often as you do today with Twitter because all it takes is one person to tweet something and off you go. Yeah, and that's that's something we talked about just like how quick the flow of information is and, and how uh, Gen Z is really just turning to – like you don't have to wait to watch – ESPN at night at a scheduled time to figure out the best sports highlights of the day. You know, you see them immediately on Instagram or Twitter. Um, same with podcasting. You you don't have to wait for some show and sit through the stuff, the radio stuff that you don't want to listen to. You can select the show you want to listen to. You can fast forward. You can play it at one and a half speed. Um, so everything is just really on demand. And that creates a new, you know, a new kind of lifestyle. One thing I think I just, as you're talking about this, I'm remembering about the Taco Bell interview she so we were in a room <laughs> that it was a Hulu sponsored room, mm-hmm. and she was talking about you know sometimes people just want to Netflix and chill, and then she goes immediately Hulu and chill, <laughs> and like there was like just like a smile and like I couldn't smile on stage because you know professional, but like I'm like <laughs> that was good, yeah. that was really good, yeah. I don't know, that just popped into my head. I'm sorry. Uh, another big topic of the week that brought a lot of fun to the conference was the dream team from Qualtrics. 
Um, so just a little bit, bit of background for the listeners. So the Dream Team was a team from a company called Qualtrics uh, who does data for experiential marketing. They sent a team that you could basically go on the Brand Week app and put in a request for something that would make your Brand Week amazing. And they would have their team work day and night to fulfill your requests. Uh, do you guys want to talk about some of the requests that you had or that you heard of and that were or were not fulfilled? Yes, I requested twice. In two different days. You could request twice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> didn't could, know. Yeah. You could just keep You could going. have done it over and over. Oh, yeah. I wasted this. Okay, <laughs> go on. A lot of us did. Um, both of my requests were related to food um, because I spent my mornings working in my hotel room as opposed to going to the breakfast. And they really delivered. Brought me exactly what I wanted the first day, which was a smoothie, berry smoothie and a croissant, and it was perfect. And then the next day... They brought me McDonald's um, and a smoothie again, and it was exactly what I wanted, and they were so nice about it, and were texting me about it, and they're like, it's ready, and we don't want it to get cold for you, so like, here it is, and I heard that other people got Nikes delivered, um, people got a massage, someone wanted mimosas, so they brought them a tray of mimosas. A lot of Popeye's chicken. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And someone took their team in a ride for a Tesla. I love that some people are like asking for a Tesla, and Anne Marie's like, "Just want McDonald's. <laughs> I, just, I just want a burger." High and low. High and low. I asked, I asked for a Gibson ES three thirty five guitar. How did that work out? They said no. They're like, "We can get you guitar picks and a Visa card." And I said, "Sure." And I haven't heard back from them yet. You did? Oh. oh. So I asked, I I wanted to give them a creative challenge, and I asked for a good night's sleep after the conference was over. And yesterday they delivered a robe and an eye mask to me, which I thought was pretty nice. Oh, yeah. 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 I I was like, yeah, after the Constellation Ball, I put my robe on, and it was was a good way to end the event. The dog was pretty awesome. Yeah, I was going to say that. Somebody somebody had requested a dog, and they, during the presentation, brought the dog on stage. I was, because I was backstage with Pedro, and there's this dog, and I'm like, can I just pet the dog? Did they give them a dog? No, no, no. Someone's like, I I want to. Play I just want to see I, a dog. I want to play with a dog. And they brought this beautiful, very good boy. I, that was amazing. I requested uh, In-N-Out. Um, so I requested it on, I guess it was today. I requested it on Tuesday night um, before dinner was served, like two hours before dinner was served because I didn't eat a big lunch. So I was really hungry when I requested it. But then they ended up getting back to me yesterday morning. Um, so I had like a 10 a.m. In-N-Out burger. <laughs> um, There's no bad time for it. No, 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 that was great. And then I also requested uh, a helicopter ride, a sunset helicopter ride, which they said they could not fulfill, but they did give me a gift card to go towards it. Nice. In wow. case I wanted to actually Someone, Someone was telling me that they requested a ticket to one of their events because it's like a, like a $4,000 or $3,000 ticket. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I want to follow up to see if that happened. I actually want to follow up with these people because I am, I'm not unconvinced that there is a healthy amount of people that ask for things that maybe, you know, you shouldn't be asking for. So I'm kind of curious just to see what did people ask for. Yeah. yeah. So we actually did talk to their team. Uh, the Adweek video team did an interview with their team and with uh, some of the people that asked for some of the crazy things. So you should be on the lookout for that. Great. In about a week okay. uh, on Adweek.com. Can you, can you give me a little tip? I was not there uh, filming it. So uh, okay. <laughs> you'd have to check with uh, Chris <laughs> and Brianna. I will. But um, but it's an interesting idea from a cost perspective. If you think of what like brands spend on like trinkets for trade shows and things like that, like why not just put it towards 
what people really specifically want and talk about creating brand love. Like I, um, yeah. And nobody has any idea what this company does. But right. they but they love this company. Yeah, but now I love Qualtrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This are. is a Qualtrics sponsored <laughs> podcast. Yeah, now. Here we are talking about it. <laughs> but like that's that's what good powerful marketing can do, right? It's it's top of mind. It's like, oh, I'm going to remember this. Yeah. Now the next phase is to get from that top part of the funnel down to the bottom and I can't believe I'm talking about funnels. <laughs> You've been Sorry. here for too long. I've, it's it's o- it, occupational it, hazard. It's time to fly back home. Yeah. Well, they, they have all of our emails now. So <laughs> that is true. Um, to wrap it up, I wanted to ask you guys, we're all heading home today. I think we all have flights today. What are you going to be doing on your six-hour flight home? What's your plan? So I'm actually not flying back today. I'm flying to SFO first, San Francisco. Um, and it's a short flight. It's an hour. But I'll be working on more Brand Week stories that you can read on adweek.com. I have no idea. I mean, it's usually trying to make sure that I don't do anything. <laughs> and that's a lot of work. <laughs> I uh, I have the lucky red eye, so I'm going to get that uh, eye mask and try to sleep. Can you can you put on your robe <laughs> when, you, when you board the plane? It's like white and really fluffy. <laughs> Take a picture. I'm going to be that person Look, that's in how coach. You, that's how you build your brand. You know, you take a picture of a robe with a sleep mask on a plane, tag the plane, have it go viral. They'll give you an upgrade. You get your sleep on the first class all because of a robe. Just Sounds like, like a, you have this all figured out. Just like a Gen Z EO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick, what are you going to do? Um, I'm one of those people that tells myself I'm going to – that I'm going to do some work or read a book I've wanted to read. But and you're going to do I, work. But then as soon as I sit down, I end up just finding a movie and watching it and then what, falling asleep. What so. did you watch on the way out? Um, I watched Jiro, Jiro, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Have you ever seen that documentary? No. Oh, documentary. no, but I've heard of it. It's really good. It's the second time I've seen it. So I watched that and then I slept. Mm. So. so American doesn't have uh, a video screen in its headset. So – you get Wi-Fi, but it's not Wi-Fi for like the whole entire internet. It's just Wi-Fi for American.com where you can see um, live TV for about a dozen networks and then just a whole back cat- backlog, a uh, back category of TV shows and movies. Oh, interesting. So they bring the kind of in-flight movie to your phone. Right. Basically. So basically they're, they're – so there's two – Theories, right? Give people entertainment off the screen in front of them so they can play with things. Or knowing that people are using their phones and laptops for everything, give them Wi-Fi and then gate them in with this into this really tiny place. Or you can pay for broader access and then putz around on Twitter for six hours. My American flight actually did have screens. Uh, and after I watched my movie <laughs> – this um, after I watched my movie, I played some – I played a little bit of poker. Oh. Um, there was like a poker game you could play against the computer, which helped me a lot in uh, prepping for the casino night. All right, so there's um, hope that there's a, a screen on. It's possible. Okay. It's possible. It's 50-50, right? Either will or won't. I have to say everyone has earned their movie, has earned their sleep. <laughs> so we can expense it. And we take a break. <laughs> it's an hour flight. There's not enough time for a movie to San Francisco. But truly, it's been a wonderful week with you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, joining me here on the podcast as well. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was produced by Chris Ahrens with audio assistance from Josh Rios and edited by Lane McGivney. David and Kamiko will be back next week. I'm Nick Gardner signing off from Palm Desert.
Welcome to Elevating the Human Experience from Deloitte Digital. Everyone knows a great experience when they, well, experience it, but how do you create one? This is the question a lot of organizations are asking now. Amelia Dunlop, Head of Customer Strategy and Applied Design, Deloitte Digital, shares the five tenets of transforming customer experiences into great human experiences. One of my clients, a CEO, recently announced that 80% of all projects that he would fund must have human-centered design as part of them. Many CEOs talk about being customer-obsessed. These guys are human-obsessed. So if you believed that focusing on the human experience mattered, what would you do about it? At Deloitte Digital, we believe you would be obsessed by all things human. Focus on experiences that create the possibility of connecting based on what humans value. We believe you would learn how to proactively deliver on human needs, using AI to help us be more relevant and human at scale. We believe you would start with authenticity, because human experiences can't be faked. Delivering a human experience through a chatbot or a mobile phone, that's hard. The entire organization needs to show up, not just the sales force or the call center. We believe you'd execute with humanity to be fast to meet people at their point of need, but slow enough to be present. And finally, we believe you would have the possibility to change the world because human experiences are transformative. Want to learn more about elevating the human experience? Visit DeloitteDigital.com slash US slash EHX for more insight.